Welcome to the Direct Response Marketing Magic Podcast. Seth Green is a five-time best-selling author, speaker, and nationally recognized direct response marketing expert who is CEO of one of the fastest-growing direct response marketing firms in the country. To get free access to a download of his new book, Podcast Marketing Magic, and a free live training webinar that will show you how you can use a podcast to attract new customers and referrals like magic, simply register at www.ultimatemarketingmagician.com. On the podcast, Seth brings together some of the most cutting-edge thought leaders in the world to share with you how they grow their businesses and how you can too. And now, here's your host, Seth Green. marketing guy is my dad. First, he helps people with with marketing magic. Next, if you need marketing help, he will help you. Finally, if he is a magic marketer, my dad is the best. Welcome to the Direct Response Podcast. This is your host, Seth Green. Today, I've got the good fortune of interviewing Dave Fries of 3daystosuccess.com. That's three, the number, daystosuccess.com. Dave, thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you very much for having me. I appreciate it. It is our pleasure. Let's go back, let's go back in time a little bit. How did you get started? Well, I, uh, I guess I got started as an entrepreneur, uh, when I was a kid, I was one of those kids that shoveled snow and mowed lawns and delivered newspapers and eventually built up the biggest newspaper route in the town. And so it sort of let me know that there was a link between uh, thinking about things and then taking action and working and getting them done and getting what you wanted. So I developed that very early, early drive to be entrepreneurial and to develop some of these other skills that I've developed. Awesome. And let's talk a little bit about the newspaper route journey to where you are now. I know that sounds silly, but, uh, you know, I was just a little kid and I had to, in those days, you had to collect the money yep, from the people I remember. Uh, and you had to convince them to keep the subscription and you had to get new people. I figured, well, if I was walking by these three houses, why wouldn't I go and talk to them and get them to subscribe to the newspaper? So uh, that very early on, I figured out that how you dealt with people was important, and, and I guess that later led me to the training that I did in interrogation and negotiation, and, and that served me well, ultimately, in uh, direct response, advertising, and building the businesses and the practices that I built. Uh, but there really was a foundation there, and those things are way more linked than most people would ever think. Most people think, well, look – you're a trusted estates lawyer, and you uh, attribute your success to having a paper route. But really, I did learn that you know people didn't just buy, and even if they wanted something, a lot of times they wouldn't buy. You had to, you know, figure out what they needed to make that decision. And uh, sometimes people wanted to quit. You had to figure out why were they going to quit later. When I was learning to interrogate people, that led me to look at it as a project and figuring where could I build trust. 
you know, how do people make decisions to trust me and share information? When did they start to lie to me? How could you rebuild that trust or expand that area where they were comfortable telling me things? And uh, same is true in in direct response and more sophisticated, but any marketing that's successful is, you know, you have to really learn what's important to them, the language they're using to describe their situation. And uh, so, so all of those things, practicing law, practicing direct response uh, marketing, and uh, and the paper route were all much more linked than people think. It sounds like it. So I'm, I'm going to – let's dive in a little bit here. So how did you go from paper route? What was the interrogation training? And then how did you become an estate lawyer? And then we'll get you to do what you're doing now. Sure. So uh, I was uh, – uh, undergrad, always interested in going to law school, and I went to a very old liberal arts school and studied all kinds of things, ranging from geology to computer science. And I was always, I was one of those people that found common things or found things useful to in all these different areas that I studied. So that served me well. And uh, at one point while I was in undergrad, I got connected to some people that really uh, saw in me the ability to communicate very effectively, and they taught me. Uh, nego- I trained with a number of very top negotiators and interrogators, and uh, went to law school. Um, went into the practice of uh, trusted estates law, and and was with a big firm left, and had to build a firm from scratch. Uh, so that really taught me a lot of how to apply these skills. And uh, where I am today is that I advise a number of companies, some startups, some more mature uh, in the areas of direct response marketing. And I still do some training in interrogation and negotiation. And I see clients three days a week in my practice. So like all serial entrepreneurs, tons of balls in the air. So you've got the success technologies, you've got the legal practice, Talk a little, uh, what is Three Days to Success? So Three Days to Success uh, is a, an opportunity that I have to meet with these very smart people. I opened up a program. I, I, I used to meet with one other guy, one other entrepreneurial guy, uh, Dr. David Wyman, and each year we'd sort of pick our business models apart and say, how do we disrupt ourselves and what's really working and what do we keep and what do we get rid of? And then, uh, you know, at, at the strategic level, we do that. And then we'd say, OK, at a marketing level and management level, what are we going to change? And then eventually Dave and I opened that up to other people. And that was great for us because we were able to share our high level thinking. And Dr. David Wyman does this work for, you know, multi-billion dollar multinational companies at the highest level. And I'm doing it with lots of uh, individual professional practice owners and some businesses that I've helped to advise for years. So we were able to take what we were thinking and the literature we were reading and the things that we were testing and share them with people. And then we would both get them to give us feedback on what happened when they took them and used them. And we'd get the advantage of their, of learning their ideas, things that they were doing that we weren't thinking of. So this eventually led to a much more planned and sophisticated program and uh, three days to success, I run uh, basically two three-day programs. Uh, they're independent from one another. Some people come to one and not the other. But the three days to success programs, uh, usually it's, it's kind of the yin and the yang. That's the softer 
uh, gentler, what's really working, what makes you happy, what are you looking for in life, and then uh, Business Black Ops, which is also a three days to success program. That's this fall. That's where I bring in interrogators, negotiators, special forces operators, spies, people that have run counterinsurgency operations. And we talk about the force multipliers. So what did these guys learn in clandestine service or in military service? How did they use it in the armed forces or however they were using it uh, successfully? How did it multiply their efforts and make their resources more powerful? And then uh, if they're out, how did they use that in business themselves or businesses that they're involved in to be successful and to multiply the effectiveness of that business's personnel and resources. And uh, so this year, we're very lucky. We have uh, Navy SEAL Lieutenant Commander Jocko Willink. Uh, Jocko and his partner in this book, Leif Babb, and just wrote a New York Times bestseller book and um, called Extreme Ownership. So uh, Jocko will be there as one of our speakers, and then we have a number of other uh, former military that will be speaking on a variety of these force multiplier topics. And sometimes people say to me, sometimes civilians say to me, like, oh, you know, I don't know. I've never served in the military. I don't know what. It, I don't think of business as war. And by the way, none of us do. But there's a lot to be learned. There's so many ways that we can make ourselves better and stronger and more effective and more profitable and more well-adjusted and get more out of everything that we do. Uh, looking at it through the lens of these guys. Uh, and so I tell people the the folks that get the most out of this are probably the people that have the least military experience. That makes a lot of sense. With all of the businesses that you're in, what do you wish you knew when you started that you know now? Oh, that's a fantastic question. Um, I ha I find something each year where I say this is the thing that I wish I had known way back then. But if you if 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 you were asked me to look at the last five years of those revelations, one of them is that um, you know there are there's a sort of heart of each of these businesses. There's a core, uh, whether it's 10% or 20% or 30% of the customers. It's a relatively small percentage of the customers or the patients or the clients that produce almost all the best results. They are the people that each business or professional practice is sort of best suited by its DNA to deal with. They're, we make them happy, they're happy with us. We provide services that they already want and respect. They're willing to pay for them, they see the value in them. Uh, we're constantly thinking of uh, things that we could give them to make them more valuable, and they appreciate those, and they're willing to pay for those. And what I've found over the last few years in a series of revelations is if I really focus on them, it makes my life and my team's life better and happier because we're doing more of the stuff we want to do. It's more profitable and remunerative, and the clients are happier and we can really focus on the narrower set of needs of a smaller number of people and we can better deliver for them. So it's it's really to figure out who your very, very, very best clients and customers are. They're the ones that that, uh, you know, are they don't need to be persuaded. They're already looking for what you've got. Um, they are. They want to be influenced by you. They want to make referrals and recommendations to you. They want to pay you. And then to pay really close attention to how they talk about the problems that they have, the language that they use. Because most of us who are entrepreneurs or professional entrepreneurs or have built businesses, we tend to have a high level of expertise or experience and we know what they need. And then we talk to them about it that way. 
which often is not the way they think of it or talk about it or also. When I discovered that my clients were talking about the same kind of things in very, very different ways, and I started talking about them using their language and their concerns and their worries and solving their most pressing problems, that made a gigantic difference in how effective we were. I bet. What do you like best about your business now? Uh, you know, I, I like on the speaking side that I'm able to, and the writing side that I'm able to share these discoveries that I make that make a difference for me and my other businesses with a broader audience. So I get to serve my clients, but then I get to take these out to people who are like me, you know, are in a, a thriving professional practice or a growing or thriving business. They're looking to take it to the next level. Um, you know, maybe they're stressed out. They, it's not fulfilled them. They haven't gotten the things out of it that they wanted. They're still involved in day-to-day -day activities. These are all things that I've grappled with through time and found with the right mentors and experience. Sometimes you just got to figure it out on your own. Um, you know, we figured out ways to do, to get people out of these situations and into a better situation. And we found ways to do that pretty consistently. We found ways to get people to actually take action. So on the speaking and writing side of things, that's very fulfilling to me. On the law side, uh, for the last 15 or 20 years, we've been really advising clients on how to protect their kids and their grandchildren from losing inheritances in marriage and divorce. And clients are always saying to me, I did not even know that I could do that. So delivering something to them that they didn't even know about when they came to see me is uh you know that's powerful and that's rewarding absolutely what do you attribute i mean you've caught you've done so many different things so well what do you attribute your success to well i i just want to be clear that i've done many of these things very very badly for large <laughs> periods of time they look like they've all worked out they're successful because sometimes they work out so dramatically once i've made all the mistakes um a lot of my success, I was talking to my guest that I was talking about, Jocko Willick. I was out in San Diego with Jocko recently, and he said his people kept asking me, check with Jocko. What's he, what's he think his superpower is? And he said, my superpower is that I don't have one, that I am constantly able to catch the ego interfering and really pay attention to what other people do. And and I've had a similar experience in life. When I meet people, one of the things I say, because I was a smart kid and a smart-ass kid, and that was problematic, and it's very problematic in business. So one of the things I trained myself to do very early on was when I met anybody, I said, this person is smarter and way better than me at something, and I want to find out what that is. And that has a couple of effects. When you're looking at someone and you genuinely are acknowledging that they're smart and good and better at you than something that comes through to them. And when you're genuinely paying attention to them and listening to them at a, uh, at an other than superficial level, that's a rare experience for people. So that comes through to them. So I, I, I think that that's been a big part of the secret of my success is that I learned a couple of things early and I keep practicing them and refining them. That is great advice and a writer downer for anybody listening right there. What, with all the success you've achieved, what do you attribute? What is your biggest challenge now? Well, it, it, you know, success begets all of these. They say success begets success, but it also begets lots of challenges. So right now, for me, finding a a good balance between the practice of law, which I don't just want to walk away from for a variety of reasons. 
and this other thing that I'm really good at, finding a way to and, – and I'm sure that your audience, which is filled with entrepreneurial-type folks, it, it faces this same problem all the time. Um, one of the things that's been very helpful to me in breaking through that is that I have really left behind the idea that I have to be involved in every level of decision-making and that I'm the ultimate say-so and that I have the veto power even when I own the company or a big piece of the company, um, I have replaced that over the last probably 10 years and it's really yielding results for me now with this idea that I'm doing a disservice if my team can't make decisions. And there's a lot of psychological data on this too that says just the act of making a decision makes you feel that you're empowered and it makes life better. And so for that reason, I want my team to be able to make decisions, but also they're seeing information, they have access to data, they're doing things, they have contact with clients and customers that I don't have. And so uh, we're constantly rebuilding our standard operating procedures with them involved, and we're really building leadership so that people, I want them to make decisions and they can make good decisions at all different levels of my organization. And that sort of freed me up now to think and to be and to focus on things at a higher level than trying to make sure that every infographic used in every blog is consistent with uh, the brand. Somebody else should be thinking about that. And it's freed me up from having to talk to everyone on the phone. I don't take any inbound phone calls anymore and haven't for years. So I've gotten way more in control of my schedule by empowering people and telling them what our mission is and working with them to develop and refine that mission and making sure they understand that what they're doing is linked to that mission. So they're consistently able to make good decisions and feel involved in the direction that the whole company is going. Great recommend, great, great answer. What drives you crazy about your business? Uh, <laughs> there are lots of things that drive me crazy. Uh, they're all things that fall you know, outside of my control, notwithstanding what I just said, um, I think we all of us want when we build a business or build a thriving professional practice, we want to feel like we're in control of it. And so there are these things that I still haven't given up uh, control over because I feel like I've got to, but they're probably the very things that hold me back. So, um, you know, uh, also when I do teach somebody to do something, or when they're onboarded and they're taught a system and they don't follow it, not because of a good reason that they could explain to me, they just don't follow it. That still drives me crazy. And I, I had uh, Dr. Peter Wishty tell me one time, look, you just have to keep retraining and keep retraining and keep retraining because it's part of the human condition that people forget to do these things. And there are four steps of this process and they just stop doing the third one for no reason that we could explain. And that's why we just have to go back and keep revisiting it. And there's a, there's a real dichotomy there. You don't want to use accountability to scare people and make them afraid to do things, but you, you, you do want to make sure you or somebody is responsible for knowing what's going on and make sure that the, ultimately the client and the customer is being well served. And that's a very hairy balance. That, that still drives me a little bit crazy. And with all the businesses that you're involved in, how do you stay on top of it all? How do you balance it all? Also a great question and also quite a challenge, uh, but the single biggest thing that I learned that permitted me to do that was to uh, time block. So I block an entire day, today, Monday, when I am um, going to do some 
uh, interviews for radio, TV, or your podcast. And in the morning, I'm just going to work on strategy. And then later in the uh, evening, I'm going to work on um, implementation. So there's this whole period of time blocked, and all my phone calls are returned in periods of time that are blocked. And I have uh, quarterly meetings with the most important people in my team at strategic level thinking and the implementers so that they're all set out, you know, a year or two in advance. And uh, that makes it possible for me to, you know, be constantly knowing at least what I need to know to have those meetings. And I try to make those meetings, you know, very, very efficient. What I know you're a voracious learner. What are three of the best books you've ever read that have had the most impact on your work? Oh, these, this, is, uh, this is a good one. Well, I have, to, I have to give Jocko props. I just read Extreme Ownership, you know, a little bit, uh, probably a little bit before it came out or right when it came out. And the book is a great, great book. And it drives home how important some of these topics are that we're talking about that took me years to learn, how important they were to Jocko and Leif's success in the SEAL teams, and how important they are um, to them in their success in business and to all of us. I really like Mindset by, I think it's Carol Dweck as well. Uh, Mindset, though, is a sort of academic book, but it really gets you thinking the right way how much it matters, how you think about things and frame things. And then, um, so to take Carol Dweck's work about mindset and to get it into the practical, how do we make that work? I like, there's a whole series of books by uh, uh, Bandler and Grinder on NLP. And a lot of these books get uh, a bad uh, rap. I like persuasion engineering. If you just want to read a book that will help you to implement Carol Dweck's work. That's by Richard Bandler. Sometimes they get a bad rap because they, the, the readers of them and the people that have taken these ideas and tried to implement them in the business world have a fundamental misunderstanding of what Bandler and Grinder were trying to do. And so, you, you know, if you just go and Google NLP books, you'll run from the ridiculous to the truly sublime. Um, but uh, I really do like persuasion engineering as a short, quick read that leads directly to implementation of some of these ideas. So there's three for you. Beautiful. Who is an ideal client for each one of the businesses? Now, this is instructive, and we spend a lot of time when I speak to marketing audiences about this. So, for example, in the uh, law office, let's start with that one because it's very, very refined and it's very, very powerful what we discovered. We were trying to sell estate planning to 40-year-olds for years because we felt, geez, these folks have kids the kids are growing up and the parents really need to pick who the guardians are and the trustees. They need to do all these things. And it's true. They do. But at 40, they just don't have the desire, the time, the ability, or the resources to do it. So what we found out is if we market to 53, 54-year-old and above clients up to about 67 that live within an eight-mile radius of one of our uh, offices and who are married or divorced with children and grandchildren, and who have a net worth above a certain size. You know, we've figured this out. We've really got this down. And we find that when we market to those people, they're one, they're easier to find and market to. Two, they're already looking for this because by 52, 53, 54, people have had personal experiences with the things that motivate estate planning. They've had a parent, 
pass away or face a challenge, uh, you know, with nursing home care or something like that. They've had a friend die or become seriously ill. They've seen a surviving spouse work through these terrible things. They are more successful in their business and careers, and they have the ability to take off the time and the money to pay, and they have an expectation that if this is going to be done right, it's going to take some time and money. So that's a way better client for us. So when we went uh, and took those resources that were spreading out across a much bigger base and we figured out who really came to see us, um, we were able to spend a fraction. This is a real force multiplier. We were able to spend a fraction of the money to get a way, way, way better client and a way, way better result and bigger margins with higher client satisfaction. And then we figured out the next go round who among those clients, what do, what do they look like? The ones that make referrals and make good referrals to us and are happy to make referrals. So that's pretty instructive and worth spending some time on for any listener is figuring out, don't just figure out what are our clients look like and take the average because the averages hide a lot of important things. Figure out, you know, think in your own head, five or 10 or 15 or 20 or 100, depending on your scale of our very best customers and what do they look like and sound like. Uh, what are their demographics and psychographics? And that will really boost your, your business. Uh, for the business black ops and three days to success programs, these are people that have existing businesses. They are typically north of 40 years old or, and they are younger than 60, although there are a few bell curve exceptions to that at each end. Uh, they are looking, they are frustrated by something in their business. They know it could be doing better. They feel that their own time is not being used wisely. And these folks are all over the country, so it's not a geographic limiter. They typically have businesses or practices doing somewhere north of $500,000 of revenue, but many of the practices and businesses are doing north of $5 million of revenue. Um, what's good about that, though, and these, these, this is a mixed breed kind of mastermind and instructional program, meaning there are realtors there, there are psychotherapists there, there are doctors, there are lawyers, there are owners of ATM businesses. I mean, it just runs the gamut, dog food businesses. Um, and the good thing about that is that people are doing things that are a home run and a success in each of those business areas that they're willing to share with other people. And, and, and in our other niches, none of those things are being done. So can we take them and adapt them and make them successful? Um, maybe the answer is yes, maybe no, but it really raises the odds that we're going to get, you know, multiple great ideas. The, the, the thing that most people tell me about these events is their biggest thing when they come back is picking between or among two or three or four or five fantastic ideas that they hadn't thought of before and figuring out which one, if they implement it, is going to give them the best results. That is a wonderful opportunity and problem to have. Um, what is the first step you would want uh, someone who fits that description to take? Where do we send them? Where do they go? How does that work? Well, that is very kind and generous. If anybody listening is interested in that, you can look at some of the ways that we think and write about these things at a different website called Success Technologies, the plural, dot com slash blog. The blog's got lots of information up there for you, lots of free information, access to information. You can also, if you want access to the monthly calls, Right now, as we lead up to the event, we'll give you uh, limited access to those for free. They're very valuable. And you would call Lisa, uh, Lisa Snyder at 610-933-8069 to get access to those calls. And finally, if you say, that's an event I want to go to, you would go to three, the number three, days to success.com. 
Okay, this has been Seth Green with Dave Freeze. Fascinating interview. We greatly appreciate your time and your expertise. Everybody, thank you for listening. We will talk to you next time. Dave, thank you so much for joining us. Seth, thank you very much. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.